In this edition of the podcast, Victoria's Tarawara Biennial is underway until mid-July, featuring works curated by Dr Liulia Shragi, focusing on the interconnectedness of the peoples of Australia, Asia and the Great Ocean. We'll speak to the curator about the exhibition, their background and about identifying new trends in Australian contemporary art. I'm Tim Stackpole and this is Inside the Gallery. Hello and thanks for taking a listen to the podcast once again as we acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which this podcast is produced and downloaded and pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. And of course you can read a transcript of this discussion via the link at this episode's description at www.insidethegallery.com.au and that's thanks to the contribution made by the Australian Arts Channel which is available to view for free at www.australianartschannel.com.au. Tarawara Museum of Art actively engages with art, place and ideas within global, national and First Nations contexts. Established in 2003, the museum presents a changing exhibition program of 20th and 21st century art, creating dynamic and memorable experiences for all audiences, encouraging curiosity and creativity within the wider community. Such is the case with the current biennial titled Wausi Usi Fa'ava Asavili, a Samoan proverb which means the canoe obeys the wind. The proverb is demonstrative of great ocean celestial navigation practices following centuries of European and Asian colonial occupations. To talk about that and also about their own incredible history within the arts is the curator of the exhibition at Tarawara, Dr. Layui Shragi. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. It's really nice to be here. This is quite the collection and, and the exhibition. How long have you been working on this? Thank you. It's actually been uh, about two and a half years that I've been working on this exhibition. Uh, I think I've had a bit longer than uh, curators usually have with a few of the delays with the pandemic. It's it's definitely a kind of unparalleled opportunity because I feel like in my uh, bread and butter jobs, you know, you have less than six months to put an exhibition together. So, <laughs> Yeah. And going back further with that history with you, you hail from Samoa. What's your journey been to this point? Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. Um, so I was born in Yui country uh, and grew up in different First Nations territories across the East Coast of Australia and also in our lands in Samoa. And my family's uh, Samoan, Persian, Cantonese and European. Uh, and so I think from going to Steiner School in Northern New South Wales and uh, Bunjalung country to learning different languages and studying Indigenous studies at university, being engaged in the independent and Ari scene in Brisbane and Melbourne. I really came up through Black Dot Gallery with the like local global Indigenous mm. arts community mm. around that space, which used to be in Brunswick East and then in uh, Brunswick. So having like an intergenerational, intercultural community, uh, which mentored me and continues to support lots of artists and curators, writers coming up, has really like been my kind of maybe conceptual um, Mm -hmm. background and mm -hmm. of course i also trained as an arts worker uh, studied indigenous arts management and um, also worked on a phd in curatorial practice at monash university so i've had a you know like formal training but also been really lucky to develop exhibitions uh, as a guest curator in different institutions across australia uh, Aotearoa, new zealand and canada 
uh, and then also been an advisor for some projects overseas in the last few years, which has been a way to kind of scale up some of the dreaming, some of the thinking, and working with artists on with better budgets. Yeah, it's been really great. So quite the trip then. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> and uh, I've kind of been very privileged to go from residency to exhibition to performance mm. to conference for uh, over a year now. Been on the road since February last year. So really uh, undoing all of the staying home of the pandemic, where I was living um, in Tasmania, also in Central Australia, and Arnhem Land for most of the pandemic and the closed borders. So working online like many people, to then being able to uh, travel for exhibitions, for talks, and for projects, residencies. So yeah, it's definitely, I'm, I, I work as a, mostly as a curator and writer uh, and researcher and maybe 10, 20% of the year as a visual artist as well. You made a couple of mentions of the pandemic there and the amount of time you've had to put this particular exhibition together. And I do try to avoid COVID talk because we've talked about <laughs> yes. it so much, Doctor, but I just wonder, did you suffer a level of frustration over those two and a half, three years? Definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very privileged to have come out of it with a large amount of work but I began it with everything being cancelled and not having any work for almost six months. And it was very hard. And I kind of was realizing, oh, I can't actually become a farmer because I don't know how to farm. <laughs> <laughs> so I might as well <laughs> pivot and think about other ways of uh, working in the arts. And, you know, and I think some of those projects were, or some of the things that I passed my time with were things that I'd always wanted to do, but never had the time. And suddenly mm. we had a lot of time. So mm. spending time looking at um, digitized collections of bar cloth uh, made by ancestor artists from across the Salmon Archipelago, which are held in British, American, French, German, and other collections overseas. And, you know, kind of connecting with those in that and that's time. I spent about two weeks looking, poring over all the different uh, digitized collections, uh, and that has resulted in a new series that I've been working on. And the fourth in that series is what I'm showing at um, at the national at the MCA. So that's a little little plug for that. But um, I think it's it, the you know that time of kind of where everybody was broken and remade. Uh, of course, has impacted me like many others. I think also, you know, as a curator and as an artist, I worked on a few exhibitions which I never saw. Curated two exhibitions of Samoan digital art and uh, video work from 1995, spanning 1995 to 2021 for Imaginative um, Film and Media Arts Festival at A Space Gallery in Toronto. Both exhibitions I didn't see. That was in 2020 and 2021. And then also worked on a show with John Hampton called Pasap Kejinuang, uh, about the changes that languages, visual, spoken, verbal, signed, uh, undergo through different forms of colonization or just through different kind of historical processes. And that was really work from across Australia, the wider Great Ocean region, Canada, uh, North American context, in an art museum where John is now the director, the Mackenzie Art Gallery in Regina, Saskatchewan. And yeah, another you know project of two years that I didn't get to see at mm. all because Australia's borders were closed when a lot of the world was opening up still, or beginning to opening up. I think that kind of remote curating I'm, you know, I'm sure many people would be um, would have had the experience of installing as an artist remotely or working with artists. But I think when you an entire project as a curator you haven't mm -hmm. seen, and you only get to see the documentation or somebody walking through the space with a mask on and showing you like a, a video call, uh, it's frustrating. But also, 
that's the world that we were living in. Absolutely crazy stuff. But we need to talk about uh, this business yes. at, at Tarawara. <laughs> the, the works and the artists, to pull it all together, it's, it's always a challenge. Why did you choose these particular 15 for this show? Uh, great question. And I, to kind of summarize, I would say that, uh, to answer that, I would say that I really was living in uh, Mbandwa, Alice Springs, for the time that I was conceiving of this exhibition. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to think about artists who had connections across the country, who may be living across the country, uh, and also who had connections across Asia and Oceania. So I was looking for that kind of work to kind of undo and challenge the state uh, territory-based border-mongering that we were having at the time and a lot of fear about the other, even though that might, the other might just be from across um, you know, a made-up border from 1901. And so I spent a lot of time uh, doing Zoom, studio visits with artists, thinking through, had a very, very long, long list. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even Australian artists who were living overseas was like, okay, well, will they be able, be able to come back in time? How much would freight cost? Can freight even happen anymore? Mm -hmm. So those kinds of practicalities really impacted on who I was thinking about. And I thought a lot about, and something that I've worked on in collective curatorial practices before, uh, is to really center on investing in the artists. I really didn't want to have money more than 15 artists or artist groups in this exhibition. Right. Less is always more. <laughs> so more time, more space, more capacity for for growth for those artists and obviously uh, production fees and artist fees as well. Yeah, all right. So give us a bit of a rundown as to who you have selected and the type of works that you've included in the show. Yeah, so there's artists who I've worked with for many years and others who I've this is the first time I'm working with them. So uh, mother and daughter duo, Sonia Carmichael and Elisa Jane Carmichael are uh, part of a family, Nugi Kwanumuka family, living between Minjaraba, Nostrabrook Island and Brisbane, who are responsible for working to revive the Gulai basket weave, particular kind of basket from their country that they have engaged with um, a few examples of uh, in museum collections and the last five years have revived uh, that practice and then sharing that across their community. And so we are really honoured to have a few gulai in the exhibition as well as fabrics that have been dyed with mangroves or cottonwood on their country as well as a large installation of driftwood. Uh, and so Ngumpi or home uh, is a uh, meditation and an ode to connections to country and particularly inspired by the late great Nunako Kwandumuka poet uh, and, and educator Ujuru Nunako or uh, Auntie Kath Walker and her connections between poetry, home and ideas of future and community. So that's one work I uh, really recommend everybody spend some time with. Elias Alavi, who's a Hazara artist and has made this incredible work uh, titled Cheshmajan. It means like uh, dear eyes, but uh, in in his translation, it's the sp the spring sings. Springs are singing, uh, and that is a uh, work that looks at the heritage of Afghan cameleers, uh, which also came from Pakistan, Bangladesh, India, uh, Kashmir, and their interactions and uh, long-standing relationships and collaborations with First Nations communities across Central Australia. And so for some of uh, this work, he has obtained some of the old sleepers from a few of the routes of the Gan uh, railway lines that are no longer running, between, particularly between Adelaide and Alice Springs, and has created rehals or book rests, which are often used to have poetry books on them or uh, the Quran, and that's inspired from uh, some of his research with descendants of the Afghan Kamaliers and First Nations communities across Central Australia, Mari, uh, Alice Springs, Broken Hill, 
Adelaide and other communities in that area. And so there's blue neon with poetry from Molana or Rumi that are set on these uh, book rests, as well as photographic collages of some of these sites that he's been working with. So this is the first iteration of an ongoing research project, really looking at situating some of these really un uh, or lesser known histories of connection between folks from South Asia and First Nations communities of Australia. Uh, another work, uh, An Ocean by Sanchinti Mohini Simpson looks at some of the complexities of migration, matrilineal memory, trauma as a descendant of folks who were Indian uh, workers who were taken and put on, and, you know, rendered into slavery on the plantations in South Africa. But this practice across the British Empire also happened in Queensland, also happened in Fiji, in Guyana, the Caribbean colonies, where after the abolition of slavery, kind of the end of the transatlantic slave trade from Africa, then cheap labor or what was seen as cheap labor from lower caste peoples of South Asia, where they were uh, transported to work on uh, plantations and uh, this kind of space around. So I think in really looking at this um, work, an ocean is a kind of a meditation on some of uh, the intangible components or elements around memory, and particularly when there's a lot of unspoken things, uh, a lot of trauma related to how people suffered, died in plantations in the past. And so this is a very beautiful installation. It's a circular installation of ceramic vessels um, that are in uh, black or very dark uh, ceramic uh, material, as well as uh, they're sitting on a on a bed of ash made from sugarcane mulch that has been burnt down. So it's very evocative. There's also deep exhalations that are um, playing as you approach this work. And it's, I'm, I wouldn't say it's a memorial necessarily, but it's definitely a meditation on some of these uh, darker chapters of human history. Um, I think also um, in Auntie Vicky West's work, who's a Trollway artist who lives in Launceston, and I was, the, I think she was the first artist I was able to actually spend time with after some of the borders reopened, and I was living in Tasmania actually at the time. Uh, so her work is looking; it's titled Kalikina Briley, which means bull kelp forest. And that work is a large chandelier, or I guess I think of it as a chandelier uh, that she's woven of. Kalikina bull kelp uh, strands, as well as others that are surrounding it uh, with a projection uh, that starts at the surface of the sea and then with the drone footage kind of uh, rises above, looking at a healthy bull kelp forest not far off the coast of Lutruida, Tasmania. So whilst you know seas are warming, the currents are changing, we've just come out of a third La Nina summer, hopefully uh, things can stabilize a little bit. There are quite a lot of uh, degraded bull kelp forests around uh, the island of Tasmania, but Lutarita, but also um, there are some that are still uh, in good health. And so Auntie Biki worked with marine biologists to identify some of these and to she often, you know, very carefully obtain some of the strands to create this installation. It's a beautiful, immersive installation, uh, looking at the decline in the health of kelp forests also looking at the strength of the connections between local First Nations peoples and these uh, bull kelp forests, which hold a lot of carbon. And I've learned a lot in the last few years that near to shore and further out to shore, the intertidal zone, tidal zones, seagrass meadows, uh, mangroves, bull kelp, they hold a lot more carbon than on land forests can. Um, so they sequester a lot of the carbon into the seabed. And so it's very important that we um, do our part. 
And finally, um, David Sequeira has an incredible installation titled We're Like Diamonds in the Sky after Rihanna is one of a number of works in this exhibition which channel humility towards stellar bodies. And so we have a large installation of screen-printed fabric with the Janta Mantar, which is a complex uh, used to observe the passage of the sun, the moon, and other planets in the solar system, uh, which is located in Jaipur, but there are also others in New Delhi and other parts of northern India, which were commissioned by the Maharaja Jai Singh II between 1724 and 1735. Um, I've actually visited the two complexes in Delhi and in uh, Jaipur maybe 10 years ago, and they're very beautiful, uh, and they're still used to observe the passage of astrological bodies. Set onto this incredible large wall, we have portraits in the Persian miniature or Rajput miniature style, uh, which David has been working on for over 25 years with miniaturists based in Rajasthan. Uh, and so they have this back and forth of the canvases going there and coming back and it's his way of connecting the kind of representation of queer relationships with his partner, Ben. And they're both wearing turbans and in this really beautiful, finely uh, painted style, they have, there are these portraits right across the, uh, the wall. And so there's individuals where it's each of them with, uh, their astrological signs, zodiac sign above them, above the figures in Swarovski crystals. And then some of the portraits are both of them together. And it's those, those two signs combining. So very, um, you know, mesmerizing installation and very beautiful installation as well. The whole thing is very comprehensive, Doctor. I'm not surprised this is a two-year project for you leading yes, up to this. Definitely. Fair <laughs> Gosh. Two questions. First of all, am I right in thinking there's kind of like a colonial and pre-colonial bite to this? There's definitely a look at, uh, you know, I'm, I think we're all bringing a critical lens to history. Um, but I think for me, I really want audiences and I would like the sector communities locally and nationally to feel pride and deeper understanding of our place in the world and the histories that we're part of, uh, the practices that are continuing today. So, you know, of course, colonialism is a structure. It's a uh, kind of overarching experience for society today. But uh, I really feel like there's more. I guess the main point of this exhibition for me is that the uh, choosing to be better neighbors, to be good neighbors, is perhaps uh, sometimes it feels harder, but ultimately it's the one that's going to bring us all together and have, lead happier, healthier lives. There's always the question we talk about on the podcast about all the great things, the wonderful yes. things that you love about your about your exhibition. But considering the intense description that you've given us, is there anywhere that it falls short? Anything that you would have loved to have put in, but you just couldn't get it over the line? I think, uh, thank you. It's a great question. Perhaps just being able to have br uh, to bring everybody together, which is not really possible. A few mm. artists weren't able to come for an install due to being mm. sick with COVID or with other things. Mm. Um and other commitments, families, etc., ceremony. So I think there's, I think the desire to bring people together, which really just demands a whole lot of resources that are less and less available. But yeah. this has been a very well-funded uh, exhibition, so I'm really, I'm really, really happy with what we've been able to uh, achieve. And also, I think you know, the artists are very happy with what they've been able to be supported to create mm -hmm. and to explore. Uh, I think uh, I just really hope that uh, people engage with the exhibition and come and see the work, uh, experience the work, spend some time. It is a destination. It's an hour northeast of uh, central Melbourne. So mm -hmm. that is actually an advantage, I think, um, because, you know, you might pop into a, a big city art museum for 20 minutes and then go somewhere else. Whereas if you've already driven 
into a beautiful idyllic setting in Wurundjeri country. Uh, you might spend some more time engaging with the work and then go to a winery or whatever. <laughs> yes. Before they do that, though, what, what do you hope visitors will leave with after experiencing this? Thank you. I really hope that visitors uh, leave with a better sense of our place in the world. Uh, some of the incredible practices that are enlivened and activated by living artists working and living today. I really think that, particularly having spent a lot of time overseas last year, I feel like we're still a little uh, embarrassed by how great the work that is made in Australia actually mm. is. Mm. And I'd love to see a bit more pride, a bit more championing of, of the work that is made here today. I'm really just overjoyed with the work that has been created for this exhibition and hoping that people leave with a better sense of uh, who are who are our neighbours, who is in our neighbourhood. And you have the most marvellous history and experience. Is there anything new that you've learnt from this, anything that, that you'll take away from this experience? Absolutely. I've learnt so much about history, so much about culture, so much about language and visuality from each of these artists. And I guess one thing I'd say is that just like, having a, a deeper sense of the joy of living. Uh, and I don't know if that really is it's a bit of a wishy-washy kind yeah. of re response, but I just feel like I feel more affirmed in living and working in this way um, from spending time with the artists and from learning as they're creating. Now, of course, you don't stand still. You've, you've, never, <laughs> you've, ne not. you've never stood still. What is next for you before I let you go? Um, so I'm also working, uh, I work as curatorial researcher in residence at University of Queensland Art Museum for the last year and a half. And we have an exhibition uh, looking at relationships to uh, water country, sea country, uh, uh, titled uh, Mara Morris, Sea of Love, which will open end of July uh, in Brisbane and run through till January uh, 2024. And this is looking particularly at Mara Nullius uh, and so that like the sea uh, expansion of Terra Nullius and then also a lot of the activism through art making um, from uh, Yungu communities through to communities further out in the world to reassert some of those connections and responsibilities to sea spaces. So yeah, that's the next thing off the rank. <laughs> Gosh. All right. Well, look, I think we could talk for at least another hour or so, but I will let yeah. you go. I, I really hope that the exhibition meets all of your expectations and I really appreciate your time on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. That's Dr. Layui Shragi talking there about their curation of Tarawara's biennial exhibition, Wausi Usi Fa'ava Asavili, which is running until the 16th of July. The website is www.twma.com.au. Right? Twma.com.au. Check the site for details. The gallery is open Tuesday to Sunday from 11am, so a link to the museum and the transcript of this episode, our Facebook page, Instagram, newsletter, all of that is available at www.insidethegallery.com.au. Thanks to the Australian Arts Channel for their ongoing support. I'm Tim Stackpole, and until the next episode, reminding you that when you're in the gallery, any gallery, remove your backpack, OK? Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye for now.